1: everybody happy monday great to be back spencer israel welcome to pre-market prep of course we are here with you the market is down but we don't stop when the market declines in fact we, we actually pick up the pace um we're going to talk about just a continuation of the weakness uh the market uh w- whatever you want to call it correction sell-off decline whatever you want to call it, whatever word you want to use we are entering now week number five we'll talk about that talk Rivian, we'll talk Palantir, we'll talk whatever you want to talk about. Tim Quas is our guest because it's Monday, and on Mondays, we do Market Structure Mondays with Tim Quas. So, I missed you guys. If you missed me, drop me a like. I'd appreciate that very much. And here we go. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep your host, Joel Conan. This
2: is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start
1: your trading day. All right, let's bring on Joel, let's bring on Triple D, everybody, how are we doing out there?
3: We're doing okay, we're doing okay, let's do a quick rundown here, down 73 handles at 46.50, we do have some support in the market, but... uh... We'll see if we get a little bounce first. We sure need one. Crude down 319 at 106.56. You have gold in the red by 2370, 1859.10. Silver now under $22, down 62 cents at 21.75. Bitcoin, triple D has a Bitcoin story story for us, down 29.30, 32,995. Ethereum futures, they're down. Two eighty seven fifty at
2: twenty three ninety seven. So glad I sold
3: that. Yep. But before I just I just want to put a wrap on the the derby since uh oh my man God. Twitter was just uh abounding and Triple D. I I have been proud of you for your trading prowess for you just being a good guy and everything. But I was really proud of you the way the way you picked it out the way the announcer. Like, totally whiffed on that. Now, I know oh, you're yeah. not the only one, yeah. but I can tell you why that happened. Because I have been in the announcer's booth at, at tracks, okay? Yeah. And what these guys do is they have binoculars on, right? And so he was laser-focused on those two horses. And like, oh, I, everyone's showing this aerial view. I mean, that horse yeah. was so far behind. So far behind. So he was so laser-focused that, oh you know, and he's looking, he's looking, and then he just caught that horse at the wire at yep. the absolute last second. Yep. And just going yep. back to the race, I know lad, my, my pick didn't do so well. Last year, I knew my pick was a loser coming out of the, the gate. Out of the gate, I remember that. Well, I even knew earlier this year because this he was so jumpy in the post parade because it's a new horse. It's only his third race. You know, hundred thousand people screaming and yelling. So he was jumping around. And I told Lisa, I go, man, he doesn't. She goes, well, go bet someone else. I'm like, I, you know, whatever. Um, so he did do well. Uh, big upset. Everyone knows the horse wasn't supposed to be in the race, but uh, yeah, just want to let you know, man. The guy's <laughs> name's Larry Colmes. I I tweeted out to him, but just it was unbelievable
2: fun. for whoever didn't watch the race. Like watch this, it. Rich Strike, which was eighty to one, was yep. completely. Out of it the entire race he was like at the back of the pack like three four horses from the back and then in the final stretch it's like they shot him out of a cannon awesome. i don't know like how all of a sudden but when you're looking at that aerial view in that final leg he almost looks like he's running twice as fast as the other horses like i don't know how i guess he just nice. kept it all pent up and they started going and that horse just saw it and just started ripping through and then when it passed that number three horse on the inside and then i'm like okay he's got a lane here
4: boom he stayed inside unbelievable
2: that's got to be one of the most exciting races like a finish like that for an 80 to 1 long shot to come in for like to be at the back of the pack until the final stretch and then pass like seven horses in the final stretch to win the kentucky derby to catch the announcer by surprise i mean i'm not a horse fan but that kind of race will make you a horse
3: fan one one more thing, quick story, and then we'll get back to the market. You know that horse was purchased for thirty thousand dollars in a claiming a race back in the fall from Calumet Farms, right? I mean, which is one of the biggest breeding farms, most successful for thirty grand. So, if any, if you guys don't know what a claiming race is, a claiming race is basically if there's a horse in a race and you like them, and there's a there's an amount of money. And all you have to do is you go up to the box, you know, there's a, you know, um, in the, at the track and you say, here's, you know, here's 30 grand, you know, cashier's check or whatever. And then you get the horse immediately after the race, right? Well, this is back, I don't know, in the sixties or whatever, there was a horse in this area. that was a really good horse and my dad was trying to buy the horse and the guy wouldn't sell and he wasn't, you know, doing any races. So the, um. The guy took the horse to Chicago and he put him in a claiming race. How do you know this? My dad told me the story. Okay, okay. Well, my dad's not around, but he right, right, okay, okay. Okay. So, my dad and his buddy went to Chicago, okay, with the cash. And the horse was in a claiming race. And so they show up, the horse wins, they claim the horse, right? And the rule is, is when you claim a horse, you're supposed, the people that buy the horse, you're supposed to give them a bridle, right, to lead them out. Like they had the trailer and everything to get the horse. Well, the guy was so upset that he took the bridle off the horse. Huh. So my, my dad and his partner, who uh, uh, actually horse won the Hamiltonian once, they had to go around and look for rope in order to make a, a, oh. a fake, a fake uh, bridle to lead the horse out of the stall. And I think the name of the horse was Mass Painter was the name of the horse. Turned out to be a pretty good horse. So that's that's a claiming story for you. My dad drove to Chicago wow. to pick up a claimer and turned out to be a real good horse. But So,
1: so Joe, what you're saying is the horse that won the Derby was essentially paid for with one Bitcoin. That's
3: what you're saying. A little bit more. You'd have a, a little bit more, yes.
1: There's just a little bit left over. Yes. Yeah, yep. okay. Yep. A Bitcoin and change, we'll call it. A Bitcoin plus an Ethereum, yep. actually. Yeah, one yep. Bitcoin plus one
2: could have got you this horse. Okay. All now, right. And now you're at, and you, that's, that's a good segue into Bitcoin and crypto, which is start, this is good job, Spencer. This was the start of the tech wreck that we are seeing this morning. It started on the weekend with Bitcoin slowly leaking, slowly leaking, slowly leaking, continuing to leak the entire weekend. Ethereum, same thing the entire weekend. Yes, these things trade 24 hours. And yes, they do affect the overall market. And yes, it is risk off weekend, which led to a risk off opening here for the S&P as well. But break down the Bitcoin and the Ethereum. I've been saying Bitcoin's been holding up pretty well. I've been bearish for a long time. You know that I've been talking about on the show. It's finally starting to break. I mean, I cannot believe it's held up this long.
3: It's a risk asset. You know, we always talk about what category, you know, Bitcoin. And you talk about, you know, like trying to value something, you know, what's the value of bitcoin what someone else is willing to pay for it nothing do you go to a store do you use bitcoin i mean but anyways and i don't think you're ever gonna now tell your story uh well let's just
2: get the bitcoin breakdown then we're gonna go into storytelling a little bit with the two but you know so tell us the action here spencer break it down over the weekend we're (laughs) around thirty nine thousand, basically thursday night and now we're what 32 well, are we? well, what do, we say?
1: what do we always say? The, the, the longer you hang out at support or resistance, the greater likelihood that eventually you'll you'll break through it at some point, right? Yep. And oh, we yeah. were we were hanging out at this forty thousand support area for, I mean, mon- months and some. I mean, it, you know, a long time. Yeah, too long. <laughs> it's too long, right? So
2: now that's gone. So right now we're at thirty two nine fifty in the futures. I there, mean... there are just you know a lot of people that are just gonna hold. They believe they're believers. Yeah. Um, and that's when I was gonna go into the story here. Uh, friend, one of my best friends, it's his girlfriend's cousin, and he was talking to her on the weekend or talking to him on the weekend. He's he's young guy. He's done really well for himself. Owns four houses. Sold all four houses. Put it all in Bitcoin at fifty five thousand. And my buddy's like, what are you going to do here? I mean, it's down to 35. He's like, oh, I don't have to worry. He's like, it's going to 100. He's like, I'm not worried about that. I'm hodling. He's like, it's eventually 100. And then it's eventually a million. He's like, this is my retirement plan. This Bitcoin is it. This is going to make my whole life. And he's like, well, what if it doesn't? He's like, I don't have to worry about that. He's like, and he's like, my buddy was trying to tell him. He's like, it doesn't have to go to 100,000. He's like, no, it does. It's going there. He's like, and he's like, he believes it. With his soul, he said to me, like, that's what he's like. He's like, this cousin believes it with his soul. And I'm like, this is the what is out there. Like these people believe this has to happen. And I'm going to tell you, nothing has to happen. And in this market environment, this type, if you can call it an asset, is the thing that gets hit the hardest mm-hmm. because there's no value investor floor. This is all story. Exactly. It's belief. It's hype. When you get a certain point in time on, you know, some of these stocks like an Apple, well, a certain point in time, value investors will come in to create a floor because they're like, "This is just too cheap. We're going to buy the stock." But where do you say that for Bitcoin? To your point, Joel, where do you say that this is the floor? Is it twenty-five thousand? Is it twenty thousand? Is it fifteen thousand? This is like a story stock. Story has gone cold. Is it over? I don't know. Nobody knows that. But it's ice cold this kind of asset that gets hit really hard right now and nothing has to happen. Nobody knows everything or nobody knows anything. And especially nobody knows everything that it's going to 100,000. It doesn't have to go anywhere. This could go, and I truly believe it could go a lot lower. I've been saying potentially 10,000. I don't know what the case is. I have a little small little piece left that I left for a legacy position, but you know, I sold my Ethereum. I sold that just the last of it a week ago. I've sold the majority of my Bitcoin, but you know what? It could turn around, and it could go to a hundred thousand. And maybe I'm gonna be wrong. But putting all your eggs in one basket and oh, selling all those homes—I yeah, mean, this is the the horror stories that books get written about after the fact. they still the, stay diversified. You can be a yeah. Bitcoin believer, but putting a hundred percent of your money in it, man, I cringe. I cringe. I cringe. It, the double-edged sword of crypto is that the fact it the fact it, it has
1: not no. no Fundamentals behind no fair value, no free cash flow, none of that. That all serves to its benefit on the upside because there's nothing to say. Who are you to say Bitcoin is only worth? Very true. I say it's worth 100k. Uh, Who's right? I could be right. Who are you to say, right? That works great on the upside, but it also works against you on the downside.
2: Exactly. So
1: so the, the same arguments for Bitcoin being at 100k or a million or whatever
3: also apply to bitcoin at 10 and five right where did they come out with those when did they come out with those etfs if oh, not when what, what, oh, what, what's cool. the symbol on those uh, well, BITO, uh but bito
2: but it's not even it's not even a real etf they just hold because yeah it, it's it, not even it's set bitcoin, up like, it's, it was october really
1: it was october of last year it was, but it's bitcoin futures so it's not even like a real bitcoin etf
2: yeah so you're gonna have probably yeah. well but, but let's go to another story here is MSTR. I mean, he's oh. MicroStrategy CEO that is the biggest Bitcoin promoter that ever walked the yeah. planet. I mean, he yeah. comes on CNBC yeah. and he's this person that's got the belief too. Apparently, if Bitcoin, because they're so levered up to buy Bitcoin, apparently the rumor is on Twitter, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but it's been flying around, that if Bitcoin goes to 21,000, they're going to get some serious margin calls because they're so levered up buying Bitcoin. It's one thing to put all your money in it, but it's one thing to put all your money and all your borrowed money in it. So, I mean, these are true believers. And it might work out, but it doesn't have to work out. So that's why I'm just saying, I don't know where Bitcoin's going. It's all just zeros and ones. It's what it is. It's a bunch of digits on your computer screens made up of zeros and ones. And it can go wherever it wants to go. But the story right now is ice cold. I mean, I still think it, it, it it's prudent,
1: like the asset allocation, to have crypto in some way, shape, or form. If you if you have none, consider I have none. The, no, you no. You just said you I have that point zero zero
2: point zero one percent. I, I I'm so just, basically none. All right, fine, basically none.
1: I you know I I've got a little bit, and I've been slowly adding to it. Um, you know, here and there. Um. But I, I, I still think from just from a, from an asset allocation standpoint, it's good to have some crypto. But I'm I'm, I'm not making a call. I have I have no idea where it's going to go. Um,
2: if it goes to zero, I lose that. Part you're gonna be portfolio. fine. But I, the, I won't. I won't, I won't that, that's such a great point, Spencer. I mean, yeah. if it goes to zero, you're um, gonna be okay. I mean, so I'm going to I'm clear. gonna be I'm gonna be pretty pissed off. Okay. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be pissed off, but you're not gonna <laughs> pretty you, pretty yeah, you know lose all the money that you've you know made throughout yeah, no, your life. No, no, but I, I, I mean I, Pompliano I, has all of his money in Bitcoin, he's yeah. done really, really well. And maybe you know he's so rich yeah. now, maybe it doesn't even matter at this point in time. But you know, he yeah. says something like 97% of his net worth is tied up in Bitcoin. But that's going right against the laws of diversification, it's a hardcore belief. And that's how people get rich. Don't kid yourself. There are some people that get very rich putting all their eggs in one basket and that egg hits. I mean, Kathy Wood made herself off by putting all her eggs in one basket on Tesla and it hit. And that's what made her. I mean, so it can happen and work in your favor. People win the lottery all the time. But if you want to be cautious with your money, putting it all in Bitcoin is not cautious. And, and and maybe we can bring it to the to the stock market too and even the bond
1: market because like what happens when there's no desire for any asset, right? Like everything, no is, everything is puking, right? The stocks are puking, bonds are puking worse, frankly. Crypto is puking, everything there's nowhere to hide, right? Everything is everyone is feeling super down, right?
2: Which um, makes you think we're due for a bounce. Like just to try okay. to you know, I, yeah, maybe. I, I think if you're sitting with hundred percent cash, and I said this on Friday, I think it's time to start putting a little bit of money to work in smart stocks. So, for instance, talking to my wife, this was Thursday night, and I'm like telling her how we got half of our money in cash, and she's like, "In our RSP, and I'm in my RSP, the only job for that money is to invest. It doesn't do anything else. You can't bring it out, you get taxed on it." So it's only job. It can't go be used to buy groceries. It can't be used to go buy a new car or build my house. Its only job is to invest. And I'm 53 percent cash in there. I had her up to in the in the high 40s, and she's like, was shaking her head at me. He's like, "This is a crazy thing to do because you know markets go up over the course of time." She's like, "Buy me some stocks." I'm like, "Okay, all right." I'm like, do, wait, Joel has an idea for you. Joel,
1: yes. th- th- what stock did you mention like a half hour ago?
2: You, oh, he mean? hates
3: his stock. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Just what? just on a relative strength basis. AT. Oh god, no. Okay. <laughs> Look at the
2: chart. It's held up well. But
3: why? but why? There has to be a fundamental reason. They did spin
2: reason. Off WBD, which has just been a disaster. I hope you didn't hold your Warner Brothers discovery if anybody got that spin-off because it has been just ugly. But it's held up, and you're, and we know why. Because it's idea. got a 5.5% and and dividend. It's got a 5.5% dividend. It's got dividend protection, which means there's a floor where certain investors will just buy at t because the dividend is 5.59%. So I just don't like the company's... I, I think in an inflationary environment where inflation is around eight or nine and ATT has no growth, I see myself losing two to 3% of that. So a year, but it's but, better than losing 20% a year. Exactly. So, exactly. so we'll give you that. I'd, I'd be, rather own cash and get 3%, though. And I feel like I'd be ahead of the game. But but then but then you're losing to inflation, too. So maybe you're just looking at ATT as a better than a cash hedge. But I don't see AT&T as cash. I see it as a stock still. So I still see there's some risk in there. Okay, it's a tough investing market. To your point, Spencer. I mean, I look at my, I look at the the stocks right now. I have a filter running a thousand of the S and P's biggest companies here, a thousand. It runs and it shows me what stocks are trading up. There are eight. Yeah, Tyson. Eight. <laughs> Tyson. Eight out of a thousand today <laughs> trading higher. So this uh-huh. is the epic. This is the, the the thing we're making is there is no place to hide in this market right now. There is no place to hide. We talked about this happening. That eventually, when the bear markets get ugly enough, they start selling everything and everybody's hiding in commodities and saying, Oh, yeah, this is going to be the place. This is it. You know, Chevron's going to continue to go up 100% a year forever here. I mean, I believe we are feeling peak demand right now, peak inflation. I believe demand destruction is happening around us. I believe it will bring oil prices down. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I believe it's, I believe a lot of these oil stocks are priced in for the economy to continue to rip higher. And that's not happening. A a slowing economy will hit these stocks too. Yes, you have the war in Ukraine, which is helping to keep the prices elevated. But eventually a stock is a stock here. And I see Chevron gone in September from $93 to $170. The stock has doubled in six months. And you can go back and look at history, Joel, on Chevron. There are not a lot of periods where CVX, one of the biggest oil companies, if not the biggest one, ExxonMobil, Chevron, has doubled in the period of six months. There is a lot of war, a lot of good stuff priced in there, and I believe this money will come out here too. I believe you will see Chevron look like NUE. It's why I sold NUE. Look at Nucor. What has it done since its awesome earnings report at 187? It has just quietly lost 30% in 10 trading sessions. I think you're going to see most of your commodity stocks start to look like this once we start realizing that, hey, they're starting to get some demand destruction. You can actually see if we start seeing, With CPI numbers obviously, always going to be everything this Wednesday, but I don't think yeah, commodities yep. are a safe place to hide anymore. If I had commodity stocks and I don't have hardly any now left, I would sell them. That's just my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. I may be wrong, but the way I'm reading the tea leaves here is that there is still a lot of money hiding in commodities. Twitter believes it with their soul that like oil is going to continue to go higher. I believe in my soul that when you get a slowing economy, demand for oil starts to come back in. War is the wild card though. If the war escalates, then it's gonna probably keep these stocks elevated. The other wild card is if is we do
1: have CPI on Wednesday. So if they come out and say, Oh, inflation has come way back down to earth, then maybe maybe then we, we see a little bit of those don't back. even and, need and, it
2: to come. And, way and, down and I'm there. scared because talking, you know, to blue, I oh, talked to I somebody else oh, like blue. the data lags. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in today where we're at peak inflation, but that's not going to be in the CPI data. Uh-huh. So this number, you know, could be a month from now or two months from now where we actually start to catch up. I don't think we're going to, I'm scared we're just too early. And if that's CPI, and it's going to mean everything. If it comes in hot, Katie bar the door, it's going to be just ugly. If it comes in even slightly better. You could get a rip-your-face-off short squeeze. So it's going to go. If there was ever a time to buy options, it might be, but they're going to have it, the peer premiums jacked. So it isn't going to work either. But place your bets, folks, because we are going to rip one way or the other off that CPI data on Wednesday. But people are nervous going in, and that's why you continue to see the heavy
3: selling ahead of the CPI print. You know what you could do, uh, Dennis, too, is like if I know the premium and buying it, you could do a wide spread. You know, something where you're you're risking like a buck and a half, two bucks, and you can make 10. I mean, that's really the only way because the premium for, you know, like your whatever, the spiders at 405 right now. Yeah. I mean, the 410 calls, you know, yeah, you get a great move up to 409.50 and, you know, they just don't move. At least on the uh, – when you have those spreads on that you at least, you know, you're short and it just – the valve the just goes – and sometimes you know that's the end You end up making it on, but uh we'll see. We just got a little bounce here this morning. Uh, we're trading at forty fifty, so down sixty nine and a half handles. I think I think the whole world predicted this, you know because of the the Russian victory day and everything, and uh uh you know the tough talk over there and a little bit of nervousness also it was just uh, everyone thought we were going to take off the low on Friday, right? We got down there, we got down to that area. And bounce, we didn't. So, But we're, we're taking
2: it out end. here today, at least in the in the day session we are. We it's sure like, are. You, we've come this far. You don't think we have a day with 4,000? We're going to hit those stops under 4,000? We're going to hit those stops under 4,000. I think so. Then, yeah. you know, who knows? It all depends on the CPI. We're going to be weak. You know, we're going to get some bounces. It's going to be choppy in. But CPI is what matters. It's all that matters. But, but to, to another chat's point, too. I mean, somebody's just saying, you don't think it's time to start nibbling? I started. I started nibbling back into some stocks. And so my wife wanted some stocks. The first stock that I bought her was uh, I rebought my Amazon. So I took a lot of heat. I took a major heat when I sold this at 3100 after the good print. This was the, with the earnings, and we know I came on that show that day, and I said I sold the rest of it because I feel like we're going to get ugly here in the overall market. And people were telling me I'm going to re- be rebuying this at five or six thousand. And why would you sell your Amazon? I was like, well, I bought it at 2,200 before the financial crisis started or before the COVID crisis started. And it ran up. And, you know, I took a double-sized position. And remember, I I had the one for the swing trade, which worked really well. And I held I was going to hold the one for the long-term investment. But I've just so saw so many COVID stocks go full circle and give it all back. I'm like, why can't Amazon do the same thing? So I made the point that I thought eventually I could re-get Amazon at 2,200 i did and i was thinking about it and then when my wife says buy some stocks okay and she likes amazon she shops on amazon all the time so i rebought half of my original amazon position i also bought wow. more virtue financial V I R T, which is epically looking horrible on the chart I, yeah. um but i just I, I started buying this at 29 i bought some more it looks terrible but again high frequency trading firm that actually benefits from more volatility three and a half percent dividend. The thing's trading like five or six times earnings. Again, r- what what hurts them to a certain extent is if Robinhood volumes are going down, they exactly. may be getting less orders. So that they may, may be at peak earnings right now too. So don't just get too attracted to that six or seven. But, you know, my good friend Sal Arnick now works for the company. I mean, really, um, you know, he got hired. Yeah, Sal went over there and started working for Dougie Lurch, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many smart people. What did he with... Um... With Emis. Theme- with yeah, the wow. is with Joe. Yeah, he left. He's with Virtue now. So wow. but I mean, this is just a company that, you know, I believe in because I believe in that the management. They run the company really, really well. It's a high frequency trading firm. So if you hate high frequency traders, maybe you don't want to put your money in it. But I'm about making money. Virtue Financial, I, we've played this a few times, Spencer. You know, I played it from twenty-eight to thirty-four. You played this had one had a few stock, times. The stock, the stock, every never, time this thing pulls back, the stock never goes up. Dennis? The stock never goes up, it seems like to me. It comes it goes up and then it comes back down. It gives you another chance. It's the great greatest like swing trade channeling stock. So it could go to right. 25. We're in a market environment where everything's going down. You might get this at 25, but I'm starting to nibble. Nibbles, nibbles. Not coming off. I'm probably like 47% cash now. And my wife is down like maybe 37%, you know, cash. So you know, she's gotta they gotta get they gotta get more invested in those long term RSPs, but I still don't think this is, you know, the time where I have to go all in yet.
1: Nibbling. Uh, there was a question from the chat, a few, a couple questions about DraftKings, actually. And I want to, I, I, we can go there. But, and as we do that, I want to, um, I, I want to read you guys a snippet of this letter that the CEO of Uber sent out to the whole company today that got, got leaked to the press this, uh, uh, this morning. And I'm, I'm just going to read a couple of sentences because this, this sentence applies to every company under the sun right now. At least every public company, every growth stock, this sentence applies to. Um, he said, we have made – this is, again, the CEO of Uber. We have made a ton of progress in terms of profitability, setting a target for $5 billion of adjusted EBITDA in 2024. But the goalposts have changed, on, and the context of here is he just spent, like, a few days meeting with 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 their their largest investors in New York. So that's the context of, of this letter. So the goalposts have now changed. Now it's about free cash flow. That's
2: it. That's all I wanted to read. That's, that's so the bottom line. That? The CEO of Uber. And 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 a lot of these companies don't have a hell of a lot of free cash flow. They have negative free cash flow. This that's is a problem. That's the point. Any this is a company problem. with
1: negative free cash flow, which frankly is most of the growth companies out there, because free cash flow never mattered. Right? It was all about top line growth. Top line growth. Grow your revenue. Grow your revenue
2: at all costs. Do you yeah. actually
1: make money at the end of the day. Who cares? Just grow the top line. And, and the market has changed anyway. its tune yes. once
2: again. We, we go through these phases. This is 1999 all over again, folks, where it didn't matter. The earnings doesn't matter. The CFA Institute wrote a chapter on uh, on their – I tell this story. I've told this story before, and I've been involved in helping to write some of the CFA Institute curriculum Or um, over the course of years. I've been very involved with the CFA Institute for the last 20 years. But I can remember when I first started doing my CFA back in 2000. And 2000 and, and they added a chapter into the curriculum on how to value companies with zero earnings. They added that in the year 2000. That's that's and, zero
1: it, earnings. That's not that's not even. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. okay. And, and, that's,
2: and in 2002, and I remember it was Carl Schwazer. I used to go do the Schwazer, and he he was actually an and an great instructor. And I remember in 2002, we were talking about you know this chapter that they had added. But this is after the tech bubble burst. He says, don't expect. Any questions on the exam from this chapter is five pages on how to value. He's expect zero because here's how you value companies with zero earnings. And he had a big chalkboard and he wrote a huge zero on the board (laughs) like that. And I mean, this is, you know, so we've went through this before. History, as Mark Twain has put, as Ryan Dietrich tells us, doesn't repeat itself, but it sometimes and often rhymes. This history right now that you are experiencing is 2000 tech bubble burst, and Sweet. we are like in 2001. We're already a year past it. So we're doing the same thing. It took two years to start to come out of it. We're a year into this because this started with February when all the Kathy Woodstock started coming down, all the growthy names. We're like 15 months in. So we, you know, t- if we're following that path, we probably got about another nine months of this crap. But, you know, CPI data could change, everything can change, and we don't know if it's going to be identical, but we have seen lots of stocks down 60, 70, 80%. So in, in that time, the NASDAQ fell 81%. I don't think the NASDAQ is falling 81% this time because the valuations aren't extreme on a lot of companies. But could the NASDAQ fall another 10% from here? I would be a buyer. I'd be buying more stocks if the NASDAQ fell another 10% from here because some of the valuations in the companies are reasonable. Give me to reasonable valuations on some of these companies and I start loading them.
1: Well, my my whole point in bringing up the Uber thing, as it pertains to DraftKings, because someone asked about DraftKings, and and I was, and you, we we can look at the chart all we want, but my my point was, whenever any company starts to show its free cash flow going in the right direction, that is the time to strike. That with that, with then I don't That's know when that is. Whether it's next quarter or the mm-hmm. quarter after that, I don't know. But if free, uh, you know, I think what's DraftKings' free cash flow right now? It's like minus five hundred, negative five hundred million dollars. Right? Doesn't sound great, right? So when when that metric starts to improve, then you can start nibbling. And I don't know when that's going to be. And but that's I'm going to apply that logic to every every stock across the board, right? You know, buying until i see that number improve uh let's go to a couple individual stocks here i want to go to rivian for a second um this this news broke over the weekend um because over the weekend what happened was rivian's lockup uh expiration happened their lockup period expired so all these insiders that own a lot of rivian shares are now free to sell ford owns a lot of rivian shares ford owns about 100 shares of rivian stock they're selling 8 million of those shares in the open (sighs) market here um imminently that they've they've said so uh that is going to weigh on the stock today probably for the next few days uh ford big time seller of rivian shares uh but now anybody who is in the same boat as ford is also able to offload the rivian should they
2: choose the hype the story, the coolness. We've hated, and if you've been listening to this show since November, we have hated Rivian on this show. Not the company. I have no problem with the management. I don't know with them, but, you know, it's the stock price and the valuation. It never made any sense whatsoever. It went to $179 where all the dumb money on the storied hype has just got to be in. And, you know, then it, when it eventually broke 100 the shorts has just been raking it in. It's never looked back. Shorts win. Here. Yes, they win again. Yes, I know everybody hates the shorts and wants to squeeze them all. The only people who got squeezed on this stock were the Longs. Down 19%. I don't know where the bottom is. Is it worth something? Probably worth something. But it's valuation still probably nuts. I don't know what the market cap is. I didn't look it up. But when we did the exercise with Lucid the other day, I was like, well, when this was when Lucid was like 28, I said, if you really want to start doing, you know, valuation stuff, it feels like it's a $5 stock. Well, Lucid's now 17 I mean we're almost halfway there from something we said a month ago. So could Rivian go to five or ten bucks? Absolutely. Is it gonna go straight there? No. Is there gonna be short squeezes? Yes. Is is it, you know, could he eventually go back to 30, 40, 50 if they figure out how to sell a hell of a lot of cars? Maybe. But I look at this and think valuation still probably very extreme. Cash flow to Spencer's point, probably still very negative, if any cash flow is even there. And I think I just why do I want to put my money and be the hero you and call you the want to call the bottom of 23?
1: You want to know what Rivian's free
2: cash flow is? It's negative 4.4 billion with a B, billion. Yeah. This is not the kind of stock that does well in this environment. And it is justified the price. You can say, how ugly can it get? It can get I very know. ugly. We have think... too many EV companies, too many yeah. startups. Yep. Some of these are going to be zeros. I don't know if it's Lucid or Rivian, but I'll tell you, some of these EVs are going to be zeros. And wait till we start getting some bankruptcies. I mean, we haven't even seen any bankruptcies yet. You know, wait till we start seeing companies actually go and say, okay, it's game over. That's common, man. Not maybe for Rivian, not maybe for Lucid, but maybe, we don't know, but it's common. So don't think, you know, and I'll tell you again, I'm gonna gotta repeat this. The person that buys Rivian, if Rivian goes bankrupt, hypothetical, they're gonna say, oh, Dennis, it's going bankrupt. They're saying a hypothetical situation in the event that R didn't make it. If you buy it at 179, or you buy it at 23, you're in the same boat. You lose it all. So I mean, $23 buyer is just as dumb as the $179 buyer if the company was to go to zero. I don't know if it's a zero. I don't think it's a zero. I think it's probably worth something, but I can tell you there's gonna be some EV companies that go to zero. They're not all going to infinity
3: and beyond. Mm-hmm. What about uh, what about the breakdown in Lucid, uh, not, not Lucid, Tesla? I know. I mean, you gotta be concerned about this one. But they had this low right here at uh, 821.70. You bounced off that today. Maybe we'll hold up today. But, I mean, does this saying uh, you know, have a date with 756 or 700? 700. Um, I mean, you know, the closer it gets to, I guess, like, the strike for uh, um, for Musk is like 540 uh, mm-hmm. as far as where there's some pressure on that. But, man, oh, man, i That is not a good-looking chart at all. So you Tesla traders, keep an eye on 820. That was the pre-market low. You had your low right here, just one stinking low at 821.70. After that, under 800, and then maybe you got a dip with 700.
2: It's hard to say. I mean, valuation doesn't make any sense on this thing either. But Musk, I love Musk, and I believe in Musk. And I know Tesla has some value investors actually down below. Those value investors might be at two or 300, but they're there. Um, but it's never, I don't think it's ever going to get into value territory because this company just has so much belief. It's its own animal. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Tesla led the next bull run out of here and it just goes and this keeps going up because everybody just believes in Musk. But at the same time, it's not going to my long term portfolio because it goes against all my core demanding of, of growth at a reasonable price. Love Elon Musk. I can't bring myself to buy Tesla 100 times earnings. Uh, and Tesla to its
1: credit. Tesla to its credit
2: has positive free cash flow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's worth something. It's oh. not, a, I can tell you one thing Tesla is not a zero. Oh, yeah. Tesla yeah. is something. Some of these EV companies are zero. It's not Tesla. Yeah. Tesla is something. Tesla and Musk. I love Musk. I wish it was a reasonable valuation. If Tesla came to an RP of like 40, I'd load up. But, you know, at 100 or 120 or 110 times still, I can't bring myself to do it. Yep. All right.
1: Uh, It is 8.36 now uh, on Monday, which means it's time for our regular segment where we talk market structure
5: with Mr. Tim Quast on Market Structure Mondays. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Tim Quast,
4: founder of Market Structure
0: Edge. Mr. Quast, how are we doing today? Very well, thank you. How about you guys? I, I I just caught the Tesla discussion, so I don't know what else happened. Any any big drama over the weekend?
1: Well, I mean, everything is down.
0: So if, uh, if you consider that drama, then yeah. Uh, well, then, well yeah. not everything, Spencer. For, you know, fortunately, what we told Edge subscribers to do we said on Friday, just whatever you got left in your retail trading account, take it out and put it on the 80-to-1 long shot at the Kentucky yeah. Derby. Gotcha. Oh, my and gosh.
2: Uh, we talked the that- horse race. I don't know if you heard the breakdown of it, but I'm not a big even fan of horses, but I do watch the big races. But that horse? Nobody saw that coming man
0: the, the announcer didn't even coming. know the name of the horse. He didn't even know what to do with <laughs> this horse coming up on the inside <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that, that would have been nice to to put all my money on on, on that uh, but let's talk about this, yeah we would this never market, do that but this, mar- this market no, here no. Um, Tim, is there any market structure reason to suggest that that there could be a short-term bottom at all? Two
0: yes, there are actually. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so number one, the way that we measure supply and demand in the market, <clears throat> and we we measure the way that the behaviors that drive buying and selling wax and wane. Mm-hmm. Uh, demand is at two point nine. So statistically, there historically throughout the entire data set, the probability of a gain from two point nine. Is a number approaching 100%. Now, that doesn't mean it's sustainable. Uh, but so there's one that when we get well below four, uh, the lowest po- measure we've ever recorded, by the way, was, was uh, March 23rd, 2020, <laughs> it was 1.9. But so th- for perspective, this is one of the lower reads. So that's one reason. And then we've noticed this phenomenon. And I'm not again, it's a data point about uh, that's from market structure. So, you know, I always tell people, Why is the stock market down? Well, you know, it's, it, China's slowed down. We're concerned about recession, war in Ukraine. But OK, those are all external inputs that will affect people's behavior. But that's not how the stock market works. That's not the physics of the stock market. The physics of the stock market are, A, the rules that govern how prices are set, and B, supply and demand. It's that simple. Uh, So another phenomenon we have seen around short-term gains for the market, which may very well be followed by further declines, is a steep surge in buying. It's happened three times the year to date, and it happened after each of the preceding two dips, and that happened last week. So is there a high probability of a short-term, even today? Even today as the you know you listen to the Dower discussion on various news sources from from Bloomberg to CNBC uh, about conditions you never know I, you never know how the how the day will unfold it's a, it's a new week but there are two reasons that it's possible that we have a short-term bottom i don't think that we're there long-term yet okay. what are
2: the, what are the reasons that would be for a short-term bottom
0: well, so here and, and let me just show you this. So, you know, yeah, one sure of the things it's... that we 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 In term... what
3: short term, Tim? Could you give us like week, two
0: week bounce week, or something? Week, two weeks, week, okay. two weeks. I like that. Good, thank you. Right, we have options expirations the oh. week the, the week after this one. So uh-huh. I think those are important. Uh, the, the Russell rebalance gets pegged. Boy, what a mess ah, that's going to be. Yes. You know, those are oh two my very, gosh. I never very, very important things that are going to affect how, uh, how people uh, approach the market. Uh, but here's how, so he, this, is, this is the good and the bad. Uh, I'll show you broad market sentiment here. This is our read of supply and demand. So here is, let me just zoom it in for you. So th- this, this green line, see, it's, it's bottoming it's at 2.9. Uh, that's a miserable read. The reason that the market continues to be weak is looks, right looks below. To me,
1: it looks to me like it's still going down. I don't know. It, it, <laughs> trend doesn't look like your friend. Has,
0: no. <laughs> From a trend perspective, it's probable. That's you know that sure it could change. From a trend perspective, it is probable. And uh, if we look back long term, that's a pretty pretty steep drop below the green line which has statistically indicated a bottom. Doesn't mean it's immediate, just gives us a read. Okay. Here's the problem down below. Look at the supply side. It's as though in an economy, everybody stopped buying goods at the same time that the supply chain recovered and furnished the market with an unbelievable supply. What would happen to prices? Well, they would go down, right? <laughs> so so notice the short volume is full, all, all the same as 48% as of Friday. That means almost exactly half of all trading volume is either A, borrowed, or B, created. And what does that come from? It comes from market making, of course, but the, the other two inputs will be heavily leveraged, uh, inverse ETNs, exchange traded notes that are betting on a bearish market. So then the parties who are providing those will back them with a bunch of puts and that'll show up that way in the data. So these are two offsetting forces and that's what causes trouble. Nonetheless, if they reverse, What happened if this went down because it's not a static condition? It always goes down. Did the same thing here. So will it come back down? Yes, it will. And if demand picks up at the same time, we're going to have a short-term surge. Could it be into options expirations? Could be. Could be. And then I would fear the destruction to another handful of of these synthetic exchange-traded notes. Uh, And in that context, just a funny little anecdote. I had a had a contractor at uh, my house here in Denver doing some grout work. And uh, and he says to me, have you seen that NRGU? <clears throat> well, look up NRGU. It is, yeah. it is a triple levered energy ETN. Mm-hmm. And it's staggering. It's got $67 billion worth of assets in it, uh, making it one of the largest uh, exchange traded uh, uh, stocks in the market. But that's where we are everybody has been so beaten up, they're leveraging into things. And that tends to be the later stage of a bunch of uh, destruction. So, you know, those two things kind of balance each other out.
5: So I
2: sit here, and I don't know what to do now, Tim, like part (laughs) of me thinks, okay, I could play this short term bottom. And the other part of me says, hey, long term, Tim still says the going isn't that great here yet. So yeah, what do we do?
0: Well, then you have to be as you should be anyway, you should be uh, selective and you should be very confident in the things that you trade. And how I would look at this is uh, as ever you buy diverging supply and demand and I'm going to go so I put a couple of things here in the Benzinga uh, May 9th portfolio. Notice that the read for the stocks in this portfolio, look at this rising demand, falling supply. Those are the conditions that will generally produce gains no matter what else is going on. If you're very risk averse, a great opportunity would be Pepsi. Its intraday volatility is a quarter of the broad markets at 1.2%. It doesn't move a whole lot. It's at five, right at the the axis of supply and demand, and, and the supply side is down. So that's a place where if the market is rocky, you can probably preserve capital and produce modest gains. You have to set your expectation low. It's just 1.2% of intraday volatility. Or you could trade something like Phillips 66. You know, so this, is, this is, uh, clearly comes with more risk because the broad sentiment reading is down. But if you look at the supply-demand balance in PSX, that is exactly what you want to see. You want a steeply rising demand curve that is well over five, well ahead of the market, and a supply side that has fallen back below trend and has a steep downward curve. Those are the kind of things that not, it's not linear that will tend to produce gains. So for instance, I'm going to give you a little tip, uh, edge traders. So if PSX today is down and it's down at least half of the intraday volatility, 3.6%. So say it goes down 2%. If you buy it when it goes down 2%, the probability that you produce a return tomorrow or the next day is extremely mathematically high. Again, I'm kidding you not. It is close statistically to 100%. Why? Well, because the divergence down is due only to intraday trading, not the supply-demand balance. And that's an opportunity. I did that with AutoNation last week. Uh, AutoNation, great supply demand. It's extreme demand and and plunging supply. So when the stock went down three point one percent, I bought it and I produced a very nice return. But that's what you have to do as a trader in a market that is very forbidding. And uh, uh, you have to you have to take gains, not chances. I like to say, but you want the math on your side. That's what I think, Dennis. I realize that that is a market structure view. But it's a very reliable way to approach challenging markets.
2: I mean, and this is the this is the top thing. I mean, it, everybody's got an opinion out here. And obviously, you're right. using a quantitative approach. And I'm a big believer yep. in quantitative analytics. I'm a big believer in the quantitative approach to the markets. I try to do that in my regular trading as well. Yep. Um, obviously, you know, sometimes things work. Sometimes they don't. But, you know, right. when you can take that bias out, and I often find myself having a bias on this show, but when I try to trade, I try to trade market neutral as much as I can. I'm trying to take advantage of little market inefficiencies when I can. And, you know, you try to give a little opinion and have some fun sometimes too. But it's right. difficult to like, you know, for a human being, you know, to just go through it. So when you look at the quantitative approach to it and say, hey, you know, we're very oversold here and we're due for a technical bounce, it
0: often does come to fruition. It does. But and I will add to that, Dennis, that it's always, to me, contextual. What will produce a bounce is where we are in context of the things that drive the stock market, which include, I'll, I mentioned them over and over, but there are three big things to me. New month, new money. Money comes in through retirement plans. It's, it's programmed uh, uh, commitments to retirement plans. There are options expirations, roughly call it, the third Friday, but there, it spans five days. It's not one day, it's five days where there are options expirations occurring, and then month end, when the Steve Cohens of the world will true up their positions and manage their risk and determine what they're going to do next. And the index funds and ETFs will try to square themselves with their benchmarks. So where are we in that context? Well, we're, we're roughly two weeks out from options expirations. Well, so about five, when you're five days out of the money, that's a, that's a, a trade heavily preferred by quants. Quants like five day out of the money options up or down because there's a chance to drive up the underlying and produce a significant return on the options. So you know that there's a probability sometime this week that it turns because that's the trade that will come. I think those help us think well about uh, the stock market. You know, I always go back to the fact that if you're, you know, if you're a doctor, you got to know human physiology. If you're a lawyer, you got to know the law. If you're an engineer, you got to go know math and physics. If you're a trader in the equity market, you must have a basic comprehension of its form and function. You could be the best Benjamin Graham analyst of bottom up intrinsic value on the planet. But if you don't understand how the stock market works, you're not going to succeed. Tim, before we let you go, how many years yeah. of data is, um, is your uh, market structure based on? It's, it, uh, it, in, the, in, in its entirety, it goes back to 2005. This is when okay. we first ran very large tests, and it was right before the implementation of Reagan MS. In the data set you see here, we can go back to 2012. There are reasons for that. And then we keep shrinking it because things have changed so dramatically. You cannot rely on data from 10 years ago to tell you what will happen in the equity market. Why? Because of the massive shift to indexes, the explosion of leveraged ETNs, exchange-traded notes, exchange-traded products, the way that money continuously shifts its exposure uh, every quarter, the way that hedge funds manage risk, the massive size of BlackRock's risk management strategy people forget this it's aladdin division supplies risk management tools to 20 trillion dollars worth of assets well all of these things feed into the way that the market works today so i think you have to you have to it's contrarian it's counterintuitive it's contrary to the orthodoxy that you want to have a large data set but in order to have apples to apples number 1 what you measure has to be within MS, regulation national market system was implemented in 2007. Uh, So it has to be within that. And then I think you have to go to where this huge divergence between passive and active money has occurred and make sure that you factor that in. That's what we do.
2: Can we do one more before we go? Um, I'm just curious too, Roblox, can you take a look at it? Because here's a stock that has just been an epic disaster for the last for 2022 i mean they, start they the year earnings. 100 bucks
1: they, they have earnings this week if we're 27
2: okay. the stock is obviously down significantly from the all-time highs and you know a lot of people saying "Wow, well, couch low can it go i've said before i know these stocks continue to go a lot lower than you think but yeah. i mean what's what's the quantitative approach looking like on this what's what's your system market structure i'd say
0: not so bad I mean, you have, an, you have a, a, an increase in demand. The bad news when, it, when a stock is at 2.6. You see, that's where this I was is. I
3: one or two on that one. I should have guessed.
0: Yep. Huh. yep. At, but it's rising. So you would say, how can the, how can yeah. the underlying demand be rising when the price is falling? Yeah. Because it's not predicated on price solely. Price is an input. It's one of five inputs. But that alone, that's the problem. That's why we tell people, don't trade price. Price will fool you. You have to trade supply and demand and demand is a little or supply is a little above trend, but has flattened out. So, so quantitatively, there's a chance that Roblox does all right, regardless of what it reports, because demand is rising faster than supply. That's not a lot of upside, but it's some. So you could know that going into earnings that that might be the case.
1: Tim Quast uh, runs Market Structure Edge. If you want to learn more, go to MarketStructureEdge.com. Tim joins us every Monday. And uh, we always appreciate it. So, Tim, have a great rest I of your week. You. And, always good uh, to see you guys. Have, Thank nice you, you. All right. I, I want to talk Palantir here quickly. Uh, sure. They did report earnings this morning. Yep. I, I'm i almost loath to give the numbers because, frankly, the numbers don't even ma- seem to matter that much to me. Even if they were good. I don't think they matter. In this case, they weren't that great. The EPS oh, missed gosh. by a couple cents. The sales was fine, but the guidance they gave, the forward-looking numbers, was below Wall Street's estimates. Oh, the Q2 sales guidance was $470 million versus a $483 million estimate. So the, that, the forward-looking stuff came in below. Uh, but again, I'm almost loath to give the numbers because they don't matter. And the sentiment is so weak. Um, this is I, a new all-time low by
2: a buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the stories, stocks—you know—that don't make money. It's all the same thing. If you're, a, if you own a stock that was cash flow negative, no real path to profitability. I mean, it all looked the same. They've all been, you know, it, it all came back. Like it, it all actually, this all makes sense. I mean, this is what had to happen eventually. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but eventually it had to happen. So
1: didn't they I, mean, buy I don't a board know where load this load is.
3: Bitcoin too?
1: I think they added to their balance sheet. So, yes, they bought some, but they did it in a way that like companies do it just for their treasury. Right. They just add it to their treasury. I don't think it was like we're making a call on Bitcoin here. It was like we're just going to add Bitcoin to our treasury. So we have less cash and more Bitcoin. Oh no, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. no, that's right. They thank you guys. The chat's so smart. Gold. They, bought, they, they bought gold. gold. They bought oh, gold. Yeah, good.
3: I knew it. Was some okay. Go,
2: go
1: Peter. Uh, make your hey. stocks
3: make a new all-time
2: lows. You gotta go. You don't hold stocks making new all-time lows because it's the death by a thousand cuts, the slow bleed out that often comes and follows. Could this be the one that turns around? Maybe, but quantitative approach, I'm not betting on it. Now, is it oversold? Yeah, but keep playing for these oversold bounces and you keep bleeding out. So it's tough. You know, Kathy will probably load up i was it up. just gonna say, is she still in this one? Oh, I think so. She'll probably load up down fifteen she percent. She'll use yeah. whatever she'll sell some more Tesla stock to buy this one. Yes. She, she finances her loser. She but she you know adds to her losers by selling her winners. No, she just sells the smaller stuff to find the No, she sells Tesla. She, look what she sold in the weekend. Yeah, right, what okay, She does all, right, all right. the time. Yeah. She just uh, she's yeah. out of money in the smaller stuff. So you gotta yeah. keep adding to the losers. No. But you look at this and you're just like I'm trying to look. Let's look what she did Friday just for fun. I, I know, know I pick on her a lot, but, you know, it's deserved. So <laughs> that's all it is. But well, she didn't do anything on Friday. She's out of, don't, don't well, drive power. She took the
3: day off. Took the day
2: off. All right. On Thursday, uh, she bought Shopify, sold Twitter, sold a bunch of Twitter to finance it. That's how she works. Yeah, all right. Exactly opposite to what, you know, you're supposed to do as a trader. You read a read a book.
1: Were were there a couple? Were there any questions? Any tickers in the chat? I mean, I, I saw that. I don't know Joel if you ever gave levels on D Why don't you give some levels
3: on DKNG? Because so we got a. a oh, boy boy. Show. DKNG. Um, I don't know what to say. That a new all-time low, too. Uh, well, it was Oh,
2: yeah, spack attack. Ten bucks. No, it is. All- it is.
3: It is. It
1: is
2: a new all-time low. At least since it spacked. Yes. But it was a SPAC at one time. We know for whatever reason these stocks that de-SPAC and then eventually come back to 10 seem to bounce around 10 when they get there. Comes around 10, maybe get a bounce, but again, same story. There's no earnings here. Negative cash flow. I mean, this is not the stocks you're looking for in this environment. Could they turn around and bounce 30% in a day? It could happen. If the CPI data comes in light, I'll probably load up this crap, but for I mean, a, a short term pop but yeah. last week but not touching the
3: long term portfolio <sighs> little buyer here at 1250 i mean just tap it you know just maybe bring in a short in uh from it had decent earnings right the other day right when it uh when it came There's out a, everybody
1: then. has had you want to hear a stat joe this is a stat this is from fact set all right this Ooh, is right, from this. uh from friday all right as of friday <laughs> About ninety percent of the stocks in the S and P had reported earnings for the first quarter. Okay, so almost all of them, and of those ninety percent of, of companies to report earnings, about eight eight out of not eighty percent of those. So eighty percent of the ninety percent have reported positive EPS surprises. They've beat on the wow. EPS, and it doesn't matter. It does not matter if but- you beat the estimates at least for eps at least for the backward looking numbers at
2: least right now it does and, not and we'll tell you why it doesn't matter because when you miss they hammer you and keep bleeding you out and when you beat it stays up for a day or two and then they start to go back down anyway so it's like heads at shorts when tails of shorts when look at visa everybody's like kramer's like you gotta buy a visa after a pops because he chases every move to <sighs> two, 203 to 220 that was predictable. You knew that was coming back in. But Kramer's buying a 220, and he's buying the top again. And it's right back down. He hasn't figured out the momentum market's broken. Or at least, well, the momentum to the upside market's broken, not to the downside at all. But the companies miss. They crash down and burn and continue to bleed out. Companies beat. They pop for a day or two. And then eventually, they just leak and start going out. Remember Upwork? That was a great one You know, from last quarter. The big pop up on the earth. Not Upwork. Uh, upstart. Well, same thing now. $100 to $150 on the earnings report, back down to 83 Good earnings reports, doesn't matter to Spencer's point. Fantastic point. They got good earnings, they pop for a day or two, and then eventually start to come back down anyways. We are so oversold, though, so I don't want to end on that note. We are so oversold on a lot of stocks here. I think if you're sitting with a lot of cash, you got to start nibbling. I've been slowly right. nibbling. Yep. I don't know how the CPI, I don't want to be all in, but I don't want to be 100% cash either right now. There's a lot of people texting me, and they're like, all cash. I think you got to nibble you got to start nibbling a bit as an investor as a trader I, I, yeah. you know do what you got to I, do
1: i, I, I do want to clarify earnings yes they matter in the long term but for right now for this environment for the next few weeks dare i say a few months maybe even for the rest of the year it, they don't matter for for short-term sentiment they're meaningless and they don't matter you could say like like who reports tonight i don't know like you AM- should have the retailers coming out soon, right? Soon uh, we have like, the retailers like, next week, like, 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 okay, like, here. I don't know, I can't think of an example right now. Like, all right, like the trade, like Ro- Roblox, okay, we just talk Roblox is tomorrow night, okay? Right. So they could come out and say, Oh, we had cr- tremendous user growth, and we're and, and but so they're like, not going to. This was a COVID
4: stock, no, but the point still stands. I don't stands
1: know that for the sure, point still stands. No, you're right, though, but the, the point still stands that, like, for the short term sentiment, it just like. In in the fall of 2020, you could have say, given come out and said the worst news ever, and your stock would have been bought. Um, the vice yeah. versa is true now. You can see yeah. come out with good news, and your stock will go down because yeah. that's what it's happening.
2: So. I think we're oversold. I don't know if I'm buying any of those stocks, but like I said, nibble into a little bit of Amazon, nibble yeah. into good companies now, <laughs> not not stories, not the hot thing from 2020. Nibble into good companies at these prices. Nibbling. You nibble. know, and if you're if you're in own company can't figure out the good company, maybe you nibble into some indices, maybe you nibble and a little bit go. of SPY, maybe you nibble a little bit because, you know, but do do I think it's going to get uglier? I do. And that's why. But I might be wrong. That's why I don't think it can be 100% cash. I don't like, you know, I, I'd like to bring that cash component down to about 30, 35 in my long-term portfolio over the course of the next little bit. And if the CPI data comes in light, then that'll change everything. But I've been buying Disney. We know that. I'm getting my ass kicked on it. My average, my cost base, like 126 on it. It's 108 bucks. So, and I brought that cost base down because I bought it first bad, really like 155. So my first purchase was awful. I bought the third position, and then I've added. Now it's a double sized position. It's a big one. I've added to it three or four times, adding to losers. So I'm not supposed to do that, but I don't <laughs> yeah. think Disney's a zero. I don't know why. I, d- I just don't feel like Disney's a zero. <laughs> That's sarcasm, folks. But I mean that you're buying companies that you know aren't zeros. You're not you're buying a Palantir. That might be a zero. I can't touch that. I don't know what that is. But I know Disney is 200 dollars $110. Bucks. I know there's a lot of people that like going to Disney World. I know they come out with a I lot don't of think good Palantir. All right, I got it. All
3: right, I'm gonna it's hop triple D. I'll catch down. catch up with you at 10. Everyone have a great day. Uh, I'm gonna go talk with the Brandster. He is gonna uh, comment on some of the Fed comments, which uh seems to be moving these markets. So, everyone have a good day. I'll talk to you later on.
1: Palantir ain't a zero. I don't know, I, I, I don't I say, know if it is. I don't know what it does. But do either. you think
2: Disney? I just want to hypothetically, do you think Disney's a zero? No, of course not. Of course not. That's the words. But do you think Palantir is a zero? You can't say, Of course not. You can say, I don't know. I mean, their revenue is going to the right. That's direction. the difference. I, I,
1: ju- I just said revenue doesn't matter, but at least it's going up. So, what
2: about Unity? I mean, this was the story stock, too. Michael I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't know like what I don't know what they do. I'll be honest. I don't know what they do. But Unity reports Tuesday night. Okay. It's $55. Yeah. This stock has just went from 100 to 55 I mean, at a certain point in time, Unity, you know, I believe in Michael Pactor, but this is a re-rating of everything. But this would be one. I'd put Unity on my shopping list, and, and not because not long-term, but as a trade, if that CPI, if the market starts to rip, this is one that could really... You know, we've really been hit hard here. But I'm not going to be a hero. It's at an all-time low. I can't be the hero and just say this is the bottom. So I need some type of catalyst or something, you know, to stem the tide here. But, I mean, it just gives you perspective here. I mean, the stock just fell 50% a month. I mean, these are some epic falls. So if you're coming in and getting bearish now, you are so late to the party, man. Listen to the show three, four months ago when we were getting bearish. I'm starting to try to put a little bit of that cash back to work. And as a trader, I'm market neutral. I'm not short biased anymore as a trader. We have sold off significantly on a lot of these stocks. But as an investor, I'm like, we could still go lower. There could still be more downside. But the easy money, I'm going to say today here on the show, the easy money has been made on the short side. It's not going to be that easy going forward for the shorts. So I'm not saying I'm going all in, but I'm saying, the time is if you're short stocks, epically short here, like Unity and all these, I think the time is to start bringing some of that in. The time to get, uh, you know, being short the market has passed, in my opinion. Now, I don't know the CPI could be ugly. Maybe we're just going to keep tanking. Maybe we're going to get into an epic fall. We're going to fall 30, 40% on the But I don't think that's happening here. I don't feel like we're in that, you know, ridiculous valuation on a lot of those SP companies. I mean, SP, well, S&P multiple, what, 19 times, Spencer? 18, 19 times? Uh, it's high higher than normal they're not cheap but they're not like 40 or 30 or 30 it was back in the year 2000 i mean we're not at ridiculous levels no but... so i I'm, I'm trying to like bring it full circle here and say you know like we say when I mean, we're laughing at the market a little bit here like it's going down but at a certain point in time you gotta start nibbling it i think maybe yeah. i'm
1: wrong Maybe and and expect short-term pain either way. But, all right, Dennis, uh, have a great rest of your day. We'll catch up with you later, Uh, everyone. I'm going to hop as well. We're going to end the stream, go over to live trading with Benzinga. Before I go, a couple quick announcements. Quick announcement number one. This week is Fintwit 2022. Uh, I will be in Vegas beginning on Thursday, getting ready for our epic two-day event all day Friday, all day Saturday at the Aria Hotel. Resort and Casino on the Las Vegas Strip. If you want to join me, go to uh, – I'm going to put this link up on the screen, actually. i make it nice and easy for you. Uh, Fintwit2022.com. Let me make sure I get i get it right. Uh, yeah, there it is. Fintwit2022.com. Check that out. Scan the QR code on the screen. That will get you there as well. Obviously, you have like three days left to get your ticket if there are many left, so just use that link. If you're going to be in, in Vegas and you want to decide to go, I mean, just it, seriously, it's going to be freaking awesome. I haven't traveled for Benzinga in two years. I'm so hyped for it. So I'll be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Vegas. Hopefully I'll see you. Second thing is uh, our revamp pre-market page where you can watch this show and get more uh, ideas for your morning, figure out what's up, what's down, the biggest ratings, biggest headlines, benzinga.com slash pre-market. We just redesigned it. It looks amazing. So check that out if you haven't already. And uh, smash the like. We're not doing very good on likes today, but I thought we'd do a little better that's all right. Can't win them all. Uh, smash the like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Thanks, Tim Quast. Thanks to all of you for uh, tuning in. As a reminder, all the information from this show, from all of our shows actually, meant to be used as informational purposes, only not for investing or trading advice. Going to end the show now. Send you over to live trading with Mitch, Ryan, and Zunaid. I'll catch you guys later at uh, at 11 for uh, futures trading with NinjaTrader. In the meantime, good luck at the open and uh, stay green